do you view your own success? Are you leading with compassion or are you considered ruthless? There is plenty of room for both types of leaders, but the best way to lead successfully is to balance boldness and integrity, using kindness and compassion to earn respect. Combine this with a go-getter, visionary, and aggressive drive to stay competitive. Welcome to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with Kathy Fairbanks. We'll use the ideas heard today and in this series to help you use every advantage to achieve the best end result. Now, here's your host, Kathy Fairbanks. Welcome to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. I am your host, Kathy Fairbanks, and I am delighted to be with you today. We are in for a special treat with our guest. Before we get our guest on the line, what I'd like to do is, for those of you who have never heard of the term compassionate samurai, let me provide a quick definition for you. This term was coined by Brian Clemmer, the founder of Clemmer and Associates Leadership Seminars. Now, Brian and found in the world that there were a lot of leaders who could get things done and sometimes they didn't do it quite with the ethics he had hoped for. He had also found a lot of people in the world who were out there with huge compassion, huge hearts, but they weren't able to get anything done. So he wondered what happens when you marry up a, a warrior-like samurai spirit with compassion. You can be bold, you can be ethical, you can be personally responsible and let those two do a fine dance together. And that's how the compassionate samurai term was birthed. So you're not waking up in the morning saying, hmm, do I want to be a jerk today and lead or do I want to be a doormat and not lead? Those aren't the choices. The choice would be step into your best compassionate samurai and get out there and make a difference in the world. So we're going to bring Esther on the line. Our guest today is Esther Zolek. Now, she has explored the complex world of human resources and is an expert in the field of toxic workplaces. Now, she has delivered in work- workplace environments, both the large and the small sector, for over 30 years. And Esther has a little bit of an unconventional approach as an HR practitioner. She's a corporate leader who consistently brings the human back into human resources. Now, how does she do that? Well, she does it by executing transformational change that's really focused on connecting people, that keyword of connection, and it's at a level that makes a real difference. Now, she's also a certified human resources executive with an undergraduate degree in labor management relations. She's a life coach, and get this, she's also a laughter yoga instructor. I want to hear a little bit more about that later. Now, she's spoken on multiple multiple platforms, and she's the author of Workplace Detox, a guide to recognizing and dealing with toxic workplaces. Now, that's a practical guide. We'll unpackage that a little bit later in today's segment. She's currently the Vice President in Human Resources in the science and technology sector, and she runs a thriving coaching practice. So Esther, it's my honor to invite you and have you on today's show. Welcome. Thank you, Kathy. It's an honor to be on today's show. 
All right. Well, we met each other at um, Clemmer Seminars, and that's Clemmer.com, K-L-E-M-M-E-R. And Esther has been um, a brilliant student of this work and really has excelled in her level of mastery in terms of leadership. And that's how we connected. Um, Why don't we dive right in? Let's talk about the hidden cost and what is the hidden cost of a toxic environment in a workplace? What are some of those hidden costs and why should we care? Absolutely. So just to start by way of a quick definition, in, there are a myriad of ways that you can define a workplace as being toxic. Um, the way I am looking at it is that combination of factors and people that makes a workplace come together in a way that results in physical illness, mental distress, spiritual unwellness, or a combination of any or all of these. And the, the costs are actually sort of embedded in that definition. So when we look around, we see a lot of things in our workplaces today, kind of across the board. There is no magical workplace that doesn't potentially have a toxic spot or element in it, for example. And what you tend to see in those spots or across that workplace, if it's largely you know, toxic altogether, is you see lost productivity. You see people taking more time off because they're unwell. Sometimes you see people you know, going to the extremes having a heart attack or um, you know, we heard of that, that young intern a few years back who literally died of overwork. So that's sort of one end of the spectrum. Another end of the spectrum is stress-related illnesses or just toxic stress that people can't cope with effectively, can't handle. It comes out in addictive behaviors sometimes. It can come out in anger. It can come out in and hiding, and the cost of that in the workplace is that people can't be creative and innovative when they're fearful and when they're full of stress and, and, you know, really in a self-protective mode, and the cost of lost creativity and innovation is huge. So many of our blue-collar jobs initially and then so many of our white-collar jobs you know, over the last number of years have literally been offshored because they can be done elsewhere more cost-effectively. And so what's going to set us apart and, you know, continue, allow us to continue to be successful economically in North America, if not our creativity and innovation? So wherever we quash that in a workplace, that is a huge problem and a huge cost. And then on a spiritual level, you know, what is the cost of employees feeling disengaged um, or feeling kind of morally unwell, if that makes any sense? You know, Mm -hmm. watching what looks and feels like unethical behavior sometimes and feeling like there's nothing they can do about it or feeling like they need to participate in it. Um, the cost of that probably can't be easily quantified, but it shows up in so many ways for people, both inside the workplace and outside. 
in their homes with their kids and their communities and their churches um, or in places where they don't show up because of that. Right. Well, and I'm just thinking a stressful work environment is going to create a stressful home environment, most likely. And Mm -hmm. it's also, if you have children in that household, that's a modeling of behavior. Um, I was fortunate with parents who loved what they did. They thrived with what they did. So I had a really healthy um, modeling of behavior around my mindset that developed on work. I thought work was a fun place. That's the way I grew up thinking about work. But if your household isn't one where work is relished and work is a passion and work is stressful because of toxicity, that's a whole different generation. So it becomes a generational uh, problem pretty quickly, I would assume. I would agree. And I would go even further beyond you know, the the stress that a lot of us see in ourselves and colleagues and neighbors and friends, there's an even deeper element around toxicity. You know, it's the workplace that is truly debilitating. And that's not just a, gee, I come home and I'm kind of frazzled and I only half pay attention to my kids and they learn that, you know, the corporate world is clearly more important than they are. Um, and maybe choose out of the corporate world in their own future where they could have made a difference, there's an added piece of, oh, I just, I can barely drag myself to work. Mm-hmm. And then I come home and I look like I've been, you know, to a, a front line of a war. I look like a casualty. That that sends an incredibly toxic and negative message to future generations about what it's like to be at work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really does. It really does. Well, let's speak for, um, I'd like folks to hear exactly how you recognize a, ter- a, a toxic workplace environment because I have two children that are millennials. Now, one has navigated quite well into the work environment and she's in a beautiful, uh, beautiful home at a humane society. And my younger millennial, he really wouldn't know what to look for other than just by experience. Uh, and so what What do you do to coach people who've never been in the workforce before or people who may not know? Let's say they entered into a toxic workplace and they don't know any differently. So what are some ways to recognize when your workplace is actually a toxic environment? That's a really great question. Um, I'll preface my answer with saying that millennials might be better positioned than uh, we boomers are to recognize a toxic workplace. They are quicker in general, and I'm speaking in in big generalities here, Mm -hmm. but they are quicker to recognize when something is not quite right. And really the key to identifying a toxic workplace is when I listen to my gut Mm -hmm. and I really open up my perspective to what's actually going on here. And it starts at the recruitment stage. So am I hearing messages that are congruent with what the company or organization says it stands for? 
Do I feel like I'm being treated in a way that's congruent? Because, you know, most organizations have wonderful values that they publish, they put on posters, they're on their websites. Terrific. Let's take a look at those. And then is the recruiter dealing with me in a way that, you know, just screams workplace respect, if that's one of the values? When I'm in the interview process, how am I being treated? How am I feeling? What kinds of questions are they asking? You know, am I being asked questions that, you know, clearly cross a legal line, but there's kind of a complicit, you know, I know I'm not supposed to ask you this, but, you know, do you have any children? (laughs) You know, many of us tend to kind of shrug that off and kind of, oh, yeah, (laughs) yeah, you know, I have two kids and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. That is sometimes a very innocent, okay, I know I'm not supposed to ask this, but um, but often it's a symptom of, are you willing to cross a line with me? Mm-hmm. You know, so I look for those things that get my radar up, and I am very careful to not necessarily ascribe motivations, but to be open to alternative um, ways of of figuring out, you know, what's really behind that question. So I'm neither incredibly paranoid in deciding everyone's out to get me, nor am I kind of Pollyanna in terms of, oh, I'm sure they meant that innocently. Uh, I also mm-hmm. urge people to do some research and some legwork and, you know, talk to people you know who work for the organization or, you know, find the connection through LinkedIn and really get a sense of what's it like to work there. Makes sense to me. Yeah. Well, I tell you, we're actually coming up with our first break, and I want to hear more about this. We've heard really keep your ear open for workplace respect. Uh, Listen for someone in the recruitment phase that may be crossing the line, and really what's behind the question. So stay tuned for more. We're going to head into our second segment in just a bit. And Esther, it's just a treat. I can't wait to unpackage the show a bit more. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Leadership development isn't limited to people in the executive suites or corporate boardrooms. Employees throughout a company recognize their role in fulfilling the company's mission. Effective leadership is a quality that must be shared by employees from the top down. Clemmer & Associates Corporate Mastery Workshop focuses on key topics to equip each student's development into a highly productive and ethical leader. For more information, visit Clemmer.com. That's K-L-E-M-M-E-R.com. Kathy Fairbanks is available to speak for your event or organization. Kathy is the Director of Client Solutions for Clemmer & Associates Leadership Seminars. Kathy and her corporate team provides experiential training introductions to clients worldwide in order to support them in achieving their desired goals. Put Kathy Fairbanks to work for you. Call 800-577-5447 or send an email to Kathy at clemmer.com. The next step for growth is yours. Call 800-577-5447 or email Kathy at klemmer.com. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. To reach Kathy Fairbanks or her guest today, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, the email address is kathy at com. Now, back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. Welcome back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with your host, Kathy Fairbanks. We're talking with Esther Zolek, and she is sharing with us about how to overcome and deal with any sort of stress in the workplace environment when you find yourself in a toxic workplace environment. So as we were closing out the first segment, we were talking about how to identify what might be toxic before you say yes to the job. So let's flip the coin and we're already in a job and all of a sudden we realize, oh, things are not quite what I thought they would be. So Esther, once you're in an environment of toxicity, what's your next step? So let me just start by um, talking um, a little bit about how you might recognize because it, it doesn't move directly from things are fine to, oh, I, I need, you know, two weeks off because the stress is overwhelming. There are a lot of steps in between. Some of those steps look like, again, your boundaries being pushed or you know, feeling like you're stepping over a line. Part of the dynamic that seems to be common to these situations is there's a real fit between my as the employees need to be liked or need to not fail or need to succeed at at kind of any cost that plays really nicely when you've got a, a leader who isn't going to help you as the employee set some healthy boundaries. So many of us don't necessarily grow up with really healthy boundaries. We grow up with a lot of mythology about what success looks like, and we find ourselves in a workplace where our manager has these unrelenting demands. And we find ourselves doing things like sending our family off on their family vacation so that we can work even longer hours that mm-hmm. week because mm-hmm. a big project is, is, has suddenly come up or, you know, some, there's something going on. So there's this notion of being pushed and pulled beyond what's reasonable and going along with it. Because in most of these situations, in all of these situations, let's face it, we're making a choice every step of the way. The problem really gets big when we reach the point where we no longer see that we have a choice or that we are at choice, where it just feels like we're trapped. We're trapped inside this bubble of working these crazy hours or, you know, being asked to do, you know, work that is 
you know, crosses a, a boundary for us somehow, but it must be right because everybody's doing it right and the boss is asking for it, so it must be okay. Um, you know, toxic bosses have a really wonderful way of making vulnerable employees feel like this is how it is. When I was writing my book, I remember being literally feeling sick to my stomach when one of the individuals who I was interviewing said to me, I didn't think it was right. I mean, I felt like I was losing my mind. So I went and I talked to my HR rep. And the answer I got back was, well, this is how it is in the corporate world. Like, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. suck it up, buttercup, and move Mm -hmm. on. And, of course, it's not how it is in the corporate world, but there's sometimes almost a conspiracy around a toxic leader to keep things intact and to just maybe find people who, you know, have broader ethical perspectives or, you know, who who are willing to soldier on. So you find yourself in that situation, what do you do? There are a lot of people who don't trust their HR representatives. I think that's a crying shame, having spent my career um, in that field, there are a ton of really good people. Part of the problem sometimes, though, is that HR folks tend not to have much in the way of organizational influence, and so they can't always help you. Sometimes it's a matter of going um, above your boss's head, which is hugely risky, Um, Uh And you might or might not get a hearing, and you might or might not get sort of any satisfaction. And and so there's a lot of risk there. Many companies now, particularly the larger organizations, have some sort of formal, I'm going to call it a complaint line, where you can often anonymously, sometimes identifying yourself, ask a question or raise a concern. Part of the dynamic of maintaining a toxic work environment is that people are fearful to talk about it, and they become isolated. So if there's a work group of six people, two of them may be completely oblivious, four of them may be in various ways experiencing the toxicity. Guaranteed, those four are not talking to each other or to the other two. Because Mm. there's this whole, it must be me. You know, Mm. toxic leaders have a way of, you know, creating a situation where it's very easy for the employee to say, it's me. Like, oh my gosh, I don't have the skills. I, I thought I did. I've been successful elsewhere. Maybe if I just work harder, maybe if I try hard, until they get to a point where they really have very little, if any, self-confidence left. And at that point, they are super vulnerable. And so finding ways to, as safely as, as you can feel, talking to other people is a really healthy thing to do. And sometimes that's people out of the workplace. I've spoken with people from, you know, with experience in toxic workplaces who literally hid that from their spouse or from their parents for younger workers, feeling like they were just, you know, they were at fault and they would be judged somehow lacking for the fact that they were, in fact, being used and abused and manipulated. So 
It is a good thing to be able to speak openly to someone you trust about, this doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. If there is an anonymous complaints line or even a named one where you feel safe, you know, raise the issue. Uh, we have seen over the past weeks and months with the Me Too movement how much space it creates for other people to come forward when one person is brave enough to come forward. You know, yeah. suddenly the floodgates open, and then the organization is either in a place where they are able to or in a place where they are compelled to do something about the leadership behaviors of the individual who's creating the toxic workplace. Right. I'm so glad to hear you say it's almost as if... Um, going outside of the company just to kind of get a a reality check. Um, I was Mm -hmm. fortunate enough when I was 25, I had a strong mentor outside of the company that I worked for, and it was a phenomenal company. However, I ended up with a bad apple boss for a very short period of time. He was Mm -hmm. was not in that position long. And he asked me to do something that I knew wasn't right. Right. And it had to do with a personal issue. He was, um, well, he was cheating on his wife. And he asked me to mm-hmm. lie. And I wouldn't do it. And it was uncomfortable. And it was icky. And it felt dirty. And I didn't want to talk to people in the company about it because it's his private life. But I got some really great counsel after our going out of the company. And because at 25, I didn't know what to do. I mean, this is a person Mm -hmm. that I counted on. Um, I needed my paycheck. I wanted to work for the company. He had all the power and I had none, so I thought. But Mm -hmm. I got some Mm -hmm. good counsel. And it was go back and set my boundaries. This is what I will do. This is what I won't do. And I absolutely refused to participate in any portion of your personal life. That's your personal life. Keep me out of it. That's such great advice and a a great example. Sometimes that outside perspective is all we need to really make that shift of, okay, it's not me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This really is a bad situation or this really is bad boss behavior and and Mm -hmm. I actually don't have to live with it. You know, you made another point, Kathy, about I needed that paycheck. And so often it's that fear of reprisal, that fear of job loss, that fear of, mm-hmm. you know, punishment and consequences for standing up for ourselves that stop us from saying anything. And yet, you know, it's interesting because they say that sociopaths make up somewhere between 1% and 5% of the population, and a higher percentage the higher up you go in any organization. Hmm. However, if we set those folks with, you know, no conscience or empathy and all of that bad stuff aside, what you're left with is managers who don't actually set out to be bad managers or bad people, but they allow circumstances to help them get there. They make bad choices, and sometimes they get stuck in those bad choices. Honestly, I've been the toxic boss at times in my career. I'm ashamed to admit it, and I've, you know, always cleared it up afterwards with, you know, the folks who bore the brunt of it. Mm-hmm. But I know when I am over-focused, over-stressed, 
in a place of fear, I make poor choices. And as a manager, as a leader in an organization, who pays the price for that but my people? So, you know, there's, there's a lot of that around too. And one of the, one of the greatest gifts anyone can give you when you're in that place as a leader is the courage to say something. You know, to right. ask, what's, what's going on? Your, your behavior has changed or mm-hmm. this doesn't seem like you. You know, some trigger to have a conversation. Surprisingly often, so people will, you know, like own it, acknowledge it, apologize, and, and change their behavior. Boy, that makes so much sense. And I'm really glad that you were vulnerable enough to share that you've been on both sides of the fence with this and you know how to to do that cleanup and the clear up. Um, That's a beautiful scenario. One of the key tools that I learned uh, when I was going through my coursework at Clemmer & Associates was get permission to provide feedback. Now, if you don't have the permission, you're you're not allowed to give that feedback directly to the Mm -hmm. person. You need their permission mm-hmm. first. But that has been a huge tool both inside my uh, personal life as well as my Clemmer team life, and it's been phenomenal. You've been listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with your host, Kathy Fairbanks. Our topic today is workplace toxicity. Please stay tuned. Esther has so much more wisdom to share with us. Stay tuned. We'll chat in a bit. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Leadership development isn't limited to people in the executive suites or corporate boardrooms. Employees throughout a company recognize their role in fulfilling the company's mission. Effective leadership is a quality that must be shared by employees from the top down. Clemmer & Associates Corporate Mastery Workshop focuses on key topics to equip each student's development into a highly productive and ethical leader. For more information, visit Clemmer.com. That's K-L-E-M-M-E-R.com. Kathy Fairbanks is available to speak for your event or organization. Kathy is the Director of Client Solutions for Clemmer & Associates Leadership Seminars. Kathy and her corporate team provides experiential training introductions to clients worldwide in order to support them in achieving their desired goals. Put Kathy Fairbanks to work for you. Call 800-577-5447 or send an email to Kathy at clemmer.com. The next step for growth is yours. Call 800-577-5447 or email Kathy at K-L-E-M-M-E-R dot com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. To reach Kathy Fairbanks or her guest today, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, the email address is kathy at compassionatesamuraishow.com. Now, back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. 
Welcome back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with your host, Kathy Fairbanks. Our guest today is an expert in the field of workplace toxicity. Now, that doesn't mean she creates it. What it means is she knows how to mitigate that, how to really eliminate or at least simmer it down in the workplace field. So, Esther, share with us a little bit. If you're in a management or a leadership position, and by the way, I know we are all leaders to some effect in our workplace. But if you have that management power position, what can you do? What are some of the clearing tools that you can do to clean up maybe a mess that you made? You didn't realize that you were uh, wreaking some havoc and creating toxicity. Um, Give us some tools that that a good leader can step into and course correct this issue. Absolutely, Kathy. So first, just quickly to cover off, what are some ways that as a leader I can even recognize I've made a mess? Mm -hmm. Uh, Things to look out for. So this one is going to sound over simple or overly simple, but honestly, it's take a good look at your people. And by that, I mean, watch their body language. How do they sit in meetings? How do they walk? If you have an opportunity to watch them walking into the facility in the morning, do they have a bit of a spring in their step or do they look like they are literally dragging a bag of rocks up a hill? Mm -hmm. You know, facial expressions, nonverbal. Figure out where they're not telling you things um, that might cause you to react. Uh, Often we find out via an employee survey with, you know, poor results or a 360 or multi-rater feedback tool that's devastating. But we honestly don't need to wait for that sort of formal confirmation. I think most of us have an innate sense when things are not quite right. And I also think we we realize when, when we are crossing a line. The problem can sometimes be that once you're deeply across that line, okay, then what do you do? So the immediate temptation can sometimes be, you know what, I'm going to get another job and um, I'll just start with a clean slate somewhere else. Mm. Yeah, except the problem with that is wherever you go, there you are. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) If I haven't figured out what is causing me to behave in ways that create a toxic workplace for my people... I'm going to recreate that under similar circumstances, potentially over and over and over again. The other piece of it is I truly believe that we bring along residue with us. So if I don't clean up what I have created, then that is going to kind of gum me up somewhere. And it's also going to kind of gum up the people who were involved. And the reason for that is they haven't been able to clear it because there's been no acknowledgement. Mm -hmm. So as difficult and painful as this can be, it really does start with me as the leader acknowledging that I've fallen short and I've fallen short of the leader I want to be. And in doing that, I've actually hurt the individuals, and I've hurt the team, and then apologizing for it and recommitting to what I'm going to do differently. The really important piece here, though, is to be 
absolutely open and explicitly not just give permission but request that they give you feedback when they see you veering off the path again. Because, mm-hmm. you know, often we're, we're coming from decades of ingrained behavioral patterns and we don't always catch it as early as someone else might. And so to, to you know, explicitly permission people, please tell me. Um, and that can look a whole lot of different ways. Um, <laughs> I, at one point, literally bought a little plastic bulldozer that um, I put, you know, in the meeting room in the middle of the table and invited my people when they felt like I was bulldozing over their ideas to just, you know, pick it up and play with it. And that would be, you know, my playful hint of, oh, yeah, okay, be quiet and listen. (laughs) That is so brilliant because what a beautiful trigger for you and what a beautiful, playful way to communicate with your team and let them know that they're truly permissioned. I'm going to borrow that. That's good. I love that. It made them feel safe because it was light and humorous, and frankly, they hardly ever had to play with it because just it sitting in the middle of the table was a great trigger for me um, to uh, to avoid being the bulldozer. The The really key thing, though, is it starts with that open, honest, responsible communication, and, you know, that is a clamor tool that I learned long ago and that I do my very best to practice as consistently as I can um, because that allows me to own my behaviors without, you know, being my behaviors. I may occasionally sadly behave like a monster, but that doesn't make me a monster. And it makes me very human when I can be vulnerable with my people and say, you know, last month at month end, it was a really tough time and I was looking failure straight in the face and I did a terrible job coping with it. I made poor choices and some of you paid the price and I am sorry for that. That just shifts the relationship. And what I have both experienced on the receiving end as an employee, on the leadership end, and in working with many, many managers and executives across the private sector, the public sector, um, in, in all sorts of situations, when that conversation happens and it's coming from a genuine place of, I want to make it good, I want to be the leader that I know I can be, the depth of the relationships that get formed and the teamwork far outstrip anything you can imagine. You know, people well, are looking right. for that authenticity and vulnerability. And, you know, is there anything worse than when somebody does something that has a, a negative impact on you and they never own up to it? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And and that that creates, you know, that's the icky factor that, that uh, is so uncomfortable. And I will say, I've had the, the privilege and the honor for the last nine years of, of being part of the Clemmer team. And I experience using these tools every day, not perfectly every day, but have an opportunity to play with these leadership tools every day. And it is 
there's a domino effect. Um, I remember one time asking uh, Kimberly Zink, the president and CEO at Clemmer and Associates, if I could provide some feedback to her. And she, of course, said yes. And it was the open, honest, responsible method of providing feedback. And she took in that feedback so beautifully and so vulnerably and um, really owned her portion of that and stepped into that conversation of, I am committed to doing it differently. And what that created, letting her know, and she did ask for that accountability, just like you did, that accountability of, if you see me slipping into that pattern again, Kathy, I want you to reach out to me and let me know. And that, to me, is the testimony of a great leader. And that's about her. But what it did for me is I was heard as a teammate. And that's so important. When you're on a team, you do want to be heard, obviously. But what it also did, it reinforced my loyalty and completely unleashed even more creativity. And that's Mm -hmm. what the leader who was willing to adjust and course correct and always grow. And so I'm glad you were able to share um, that process. It's, It's as if I will always have someone's back, but I'll also have their front. It's a it's definitely a full circle that I want to play with people at work. Yeah. Yeah, that is a brilliant example. And just think for a moment about what that would have looked like if she had invited or or allowed the feedback and then if her response had been, which Kimberly's would never be, but certainly some leaders will then explain to you why you're seeing it all wrong. Yes. <laughs> I've had that, that outside of Clemmer, I've had that experience too. Or um, I've observed, now I haven't been the on the recipient side of retaliation, but I've certainly observed firsthand. I mean, we had it in our small little town where a um, superintendent of the schools was retaliating against mm-hmm. a principal for giving a truthful, truthful testimony. And it was ugly. I mean, uh, our little town, man, Washington, D.C. didn't have anything going versed on the politics of our little town. And it it was an ugly workplace, toxic Mm -hmm. environment that didn't have to be that way. And that's what it boils down to. It doesn't have to be that way. So that's exciting, exciting. Now, what we're going to do, I think, next, we're going to come up on on our next break. And what I'd like to enter in this segment with is this bigger picture of the role that human resources does play in this. Because you touched upon the the portion of trusting your human resources uh, director, manager, and know that they may not have the exact influence that you're looking for. And so where do they go as a human resource professional to detoxify this? You have been listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with your host, Kathy Fairbanks. Stay tuned for our last segment. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Leadership development isn't limited to people in the executive suites or corporate boardrooms. Employees throughout a company recognize their role in fulfilling the company's mission. Effective leadership is a quality that must be shared by employees from the top down. Clemmer and Associates Corporate Mastery Workshop focuses on key topics to equip each student's development into a highly productive and ethical leader. For more information, visit Clemmer.com. That's K-L-E-M-M-E-R.com. Kathy Fairbanks is available to speak for your event or organization. Kathy is the Director of Client Solutions for Clemmer and Associates Leadership Seminars. Kathy and her corporate team provides experiential training introductions to clients worldwide in order to support them in achieving their desired goals. Put Kathy Fairbanks to work for you. Call 800-577-5447 or send an email to Kathy at clemmer.com. The next step for growth is yours. Call 800-577-5447 or email Kathy at K-L-E-M-M-E-R dot com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. To reach Kathy Fairbanks or her guest today, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, the email address is kathy at compassionatesamuraishow.com. Now, back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. Welcome back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with your host, Kathy Fairbanks. And today we're speaking with toxic workplace environment expert, Esther, I'm sorry, Dolek. And Esther, you have 30 plus years in the human resources environment, and you really focus on that human element. So share with us some tools for human resource people and how they can play this bigger role in detoxifying the workplace. That's such a great question, Kathy. I mentioned a a few minutes ago that often HR simply doesn't have the organizational influence or clout to necessarily, you know, bring about change or deal with a situation where, you know, perhaps you have just a star leader whose team is producing exceptional results and they have terrible behaviors. You know, what is the organization really going to do about that? And so HR folks, we often find ourselves in this situation where people come to us and say, can I tell you something about you have to promise me you won't tell anyone else ever. And, you know, we give them the usual disclaimer, okay, if it's a breach of, you know, the human rights code or whatever, I I have a legal obligation and I can't, you know, (laughs) I can't make that promise. But if it's anything short of that, okay. And then they tell you all kinds of things, you know, things that like really curl your hair with horror and they make you swear again that you won't do anything about it. Mm. So what I have found is that's not particularly effective because then you can't help them. 
But sometimes mm-hmm. what happens is a year down the road, they, you know, go on stress leave or, you know, something happens, they're being performance managed, and all of a sudden they, they find their voice to speak up and say, you know, but I've been bullied. And they always follow that up with, an HR knew, and they did nothing about it. <laughs> oh, what a what a horrible cycle of events. Oh my. It's kind of a catch 22. And so what I always coach my HR professionals on on my team to do is to ask the question up front, what are you looking for as an outcome? So that can be I just need to vent. I don't actually want to do anything, but I need a safe place where I can come and, and vent for 5 minutes. Okay. That can be, I want you to secretly somehow behind the scenes do something without implicating me, (laughs) which can prompt a conversation around, you know, it just doesn't work that way. Uh, It can also open the door to the HR professional being able to explain what the process is for filing a complaint or to provide some advice around... um, you know, I, I know your manager, and I think they're probably not intentionally behaving this way. Um, would you be open to role modeling a conversation you could have where you could request their permission to give them some feedback, and I can help you craft some language that is less likely to get their defenses up if, if they agree to some feedback. Or sometimes I can get the person's permission to have a conversation with their manager. What I have to be able to do is I have to be able to, you know, really guarantee them on some level that they're not going to be subject to consequences or reprisal type of consequences for coming forward. I love I sometimes, that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's terrible. That's why people are afraid. And the interesting part is there don't even have to be living, breathing examples of consequences or reprisal for there to be a corporate mythology around, oh, no, <laughs> yeah, bad things will happen. Right. Um, sometimes I, in my HR role, can escalate up my chain while protecting the employee's anonymity and confidentiality. So there are a lot of different ways of getting at this. Sometimes I'm recognizing, okay, here's an individual who is telling me they're really stressed out and this is happening and their manager is, you know, bullying them. And the other side of the story I know is they're not performing in their job and the manager is really frustrated. And that can feel like bullying. And so I might have an opportunity to kind of mediate or moderate or coach the manager in terms of a different approach or sometimes even have a conversation with the employee around their comfort level in their role. You know, I have seen people go from totally not performing because they're in the wrong role to being absolute stars when moved, you know, elsewhere in the organization to a role that really plays to their strengths. So I think as HR folks, we have a really wonderful lateral view of the organization uh, and often have missing pieces of information that we can use to influence toward the right thing to do. 
That makes so much sense, so much sense. Now, in today's environment, um, sometimes there are companies that are just absolutely thriving. They are um, breaking records day and night, but yet their workplace environment is toxic. So why do we care? I think this is an important issue. Why even care if your goals, your targets uh, are record-breaking targets and being achieved? Why even care if that workplace environment is, is toxic? So I think the key reason is it's just not sustainable. If that performance, those results are being attained at the expense of your people, you're going to burn your people out. Well said. And then you'll have to (laughs) replace them. And, you know, like as human beings, we're not really disposable or (laughs) interchangeable. We're not actually human resources. We're we're people. So that's one piece. Uh, It's also not sustainable because part of what makes a workplace toxic a lot of the time is there are, you know, bait and switch tactics in play. People are promised things, either explicitly or implicitly, if they will give it their all. Mm -hmm. And at some point, you know, as human beings, we kind of expect that payoff to happen. And when it doesn't, we feel really betrayed and we feel kind of stupid. And, you know, often what that looks like in a workplace is terrific. You know what? No more additional effort. No engagement here. Thank you very much. I mean, if you look at the disengagement numbers... And the active disengagement, people who literally would love to see something bad happen to their company because they feel they've been treated so badly, you know, that that's just a recipe for disaster. Yeah, and those numbers are frightening, no doubt about it. Esther, I want to give our listeners an opportunity to connect with you. You have such wisdom, and tapping into your expertise in this field, I feel, is very important. Um, How do you want listeners to reach out to you if they want more information about what you do in general or consulting services and coaching? Absolutely. Thank you, Kathy. So the best way to get a hold of me is via my website. It's www.heart-goals.com. Heart, H-E-A-R-T, dash goals, G-O-A-L-S. And on there, there will be uh, a box where you can subscribe to a weekly newsletter uh, where you can um, reach out to me, a, a contact email, um, to make it really easy if people have comments or questions or, you know, are looking for some quick advice, you know, here's my situation, what are my options, I'm happy to help out in that way. There's a lot yeah. of dialogue going on right now. There's a lot of dialogue around Me Too, for example, and I think one of the healthiest outcomes of that is that uh, women and, and men who have been subject to, you know, sexual harassment or even sexual assault in their workplaces are finally feeling like, oh, it's not just me. There yes. are other people. Like, this, I, this is wrong, and it's not just me. It's not my fault. In the same place with toxic, or in the, the same vein with toxic workplace, um, I, I would love to be able to, you know, connect folks up or, you know, give people a, a bit of a voice or even, you know, just allow people to be heard and, yes. and to say, this is, I don't think this is right. Exactly. And I'm not quite sure what to do. 
I love it. I love it. So that website is www.heart-goals.com. You have been listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with Kathy Fairbanks as your host. Esther, I can't thank you enough for being a guest on today's show. And until next week, we say knock them alive. Thank you for tuning into our show. You can hear the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until next week's show, be sure to take action and create your own success.